This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from City's Week. It's your club and this is your show. Four wins from four and the only perfect record in the Premier League. A pretty good situation for Manchester City going into the international break, but it's not exactly been plain sailing to get to that point. Look at the result against Fulham and it looks like a comfortable afternoon. But ask anyone just before half-time and there will have been more than a couple of butterflies in more than a couple of tummies. Welcome to today's Blue Moon podcast where we'll pick apart the talking points from Saturday's 5-1 win with some inevitable discussion around VAR given City's second goal. Still, you win some, lose some. Also on today's show, we'll take a look over the business done in the transfer window now that the squad is locked in until January at the very least. Were you happy with the deals done or is the team a little light given injuries at the moment? We'll get into all of that in a bit. I'm David Mooney and with me this week is City fan Chris Higginbottom. Hello there. And the Athletics' Mark Critchley. Hi guys, how are we doing? Not too bad, thanks Mark, not too bad. Chris, you well? (laughs) Yeah, good Tar, good. Good. Thank Good. You. It's uh, it's one of the hottest days of the year so far, despite it being September. So I thought we'd work in the drinks break at some point. So uh, <laughs> if you uh, if you need to if you need a drink at any point, just you know just just let the ref know and we'll uh, we'll get you sorted out. <laughs> <laughs> Is it too soon to ask for now? <laughs> I I mean you could go now if you want. <laughs> Do we can we get a toilet break at some point as well with the drinks break? Is oh, I don't allowed? know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. I don't know what I don't know what the Premier League rules allow for that. So. Uh, <laughs> You just have to turn up late when you time, come back on the Eric pitch. Dier yeah. ran off, Eric Deer ran off the pitch that time and then ran back on, which I think was related to um, natural causes, shall yeah. we say. So, was that yeah, that, that yeah. might have been against City, was it? Uh, it might have been. Might I've got been. a feeling that was yeah. at the Etihad. I might be making that up. So um, I think yeah. I think it was at Tottenham, but I don't know. Yeah, as as a, as a player, ever had to take a take a leak during a City game? Maybe maybe one for readers' questions next yeah. week. Maybe. Yeah. Gary Lineker famously. Um, yeah, let's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. Too much. <laughs> Just yeah. treading the path you'd already uh, opened the door to. Yeah. Yeah. Did Bal- Balotelli arrived late to a second half once because he was in the loo, didn't he, I think? Was, oh, right, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. So I think so, yeah. it's maybe not an uncommon occurrence, I don't know. No. We'll, uh, we'll find out. We'll just have to let you two wet yourself on the show and see what happens. Um, <laughs> sure. uh, that wasn't how I expected down. today to start, so uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk about the, uh, the normal stuff. Um, for the 2023-24 season, the Blue Moon Podcast is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every televised City fixture over the 23-24 season. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. Green King Sports have just recently launched the Green King Sports Instagram page too. That'll become a home to fan content, deals and competitions throughout the season. Drop them a follow and you won't just be the first to know about all of this. You'll be helping out the Blue Moon podcast as well. Um, Chris, let's uh, let's get into the um, Fulham game and the, the kind of general picture um, after it to start with um, because uh, as I said in the introduction City now the only team with a 100% record uh, wasn't easy at times though was it? Well it wasn't no I've thought, I've thought you know, the season as a whole into the start but well I mean it, it the season as a whole hasn't been either really well it's been pretty good uh, I was never really concerned against Fulham I have to uh, I have to be honest I don't want to all right. Well, you pissed all over my editorial line. That's well, yeah, I don't want to piss all over your editorial <laughs> too much uh, without even asking for a for a break in which to do so. But <laughs> like, I don't know. I just had this feeling of it's for them. We'll be all right. Um, I mean, even the last time we played them, it was very tight due to Cancelo getting um, sent off, and we could see the penalty. It was one one ten men. 
for about an hour or something. We still managed to do it. I just, I don't know, maybe it's born of I'm just, you know, relaxing on a pile of trophies with my hands behind my head thinking, yeah, yeah, whatever, bring it on, <laughs> we'll be fine. I don't know, but I just never, I was never really, never really had that feeling of abject jeopardy against Fulham, uh, despite it being um, quite tight at half time. Yeah. Mark, um, so Chris wasn't that stressed about it. I, I thought the performance in the first half, not going to lie, pretty bad. And I thought to get in at halftime, and we'll talk about the decision that allowed them to get in at halftime ahead, but I thought like whether or not that was a that was a dodgy VAR call or not, um, it, it was quite fortuitous that they were in front of the break. Yeah, I know. I, I totally get what you mean. I think um, just the level of... Uh, control that we're used to seeing really wasn't there, I don't think. Um, whether you put that down to Guardiola's absence. Um, I, like when when the whole news about the, the surgery came out and I remember doing a couple of podcasts and people asking, is this going to affect them? And like the, the answer is just like, default answer is no, right? Default answer is that yeah. it's, been, it's been six or seven years and um, the, the, it's such, a, such a, a team based around a system, around principles, around things that get drilled into until they're so repetitive that, you know, he's going to, if if he's lying on a painkillers for two weeks in a hospital somewhere, it's not, it's not going to make a big deal. But I think actually maybe, you know, and a, a few of the players spoke about this after the game as well, I think it, it does have an effect, you know, you, you, you perhaps aren't always in that same rhythm. And I, I, it just was a very un-Guardiola performance. I thought that first half just in terms of how quickly they were trying to get the ball forward, um, how often they were looking for Haaland, um, and and the amount of stray passes. I mean, some of the, like, Kovacic, um, who I think has been, you know, really impressive to start with, just the, the amount of balls he was losing, the ones that Walker was looking to play and, and wasn't pulling off. Um, I actually watched it back this morning because I, I didn't get to watch the game live on Saturday. I watched it back this morning on two times speed. So if you thought it was they were playing quickly in that first half, imagine what <laughs> imagine what I thought this morning. Um, but yeah, the, and then and then second half, second half though, like on two times speed, it actually looked like a normal City game. Yeah, so, it's back to normal, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> or a normal football match, you know, um, rather than on Quaaludes or whatever. But yeah, like um, I thought, yeah, it's you know they they were playing a lot of long balls forward, trying trying to getting behind Fulham too quickly and that actually just led to a Fulham had a lot of possession I thought for for a team at the Etihad they had quite a decent amount of possession that first half and we're building and constructing not really creating a lot but but still uh, tying things together quite nicely so yeah but then look you had the first half but there was a clear change after 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 the um, half time I think and yeah and yeah City just took control from there. Yeah. Chris, um, I want you to have a listen to this this is uh, Kyle Walker speaking after the game uh, in the mix zone um, and he said something, it's a little clip, but he said something quite interesting. It was important to get off to a good start. I think we're always playing catch-up, and I said that at the start of the season, and, you know, when I spoke to the lads, that why don't we try and run away with it like we did, you know, the 2017-18 season, rather than playing catch-up or waiting for people to drop points. And you'd look at, at City's uh, titles recently, um, you know, Arsenal uh, last season, uh, Liverpool, yeah, they built up a little bit of a head of steam over Liverpool um, a couple of years ago, but Liverpool came back into it. Um, that there is almost like that attitude where, given the start of, this, of the season that City have had, there is a, possibly an opportunity here to really put the league under some pressure by putting a run of wins together to begin with. Well, yeah, but it's a bit... It's one of those where you kind of take it for granted that that should be there. I swear it's a bit like like Pep in a way. You take it for granted that um, even though he's not there, 
the things that are in place dictate that you will play how you always play, so you should play well. You should take it for granted that I mean, it shouldn't be a revelatory thought, should it? Uh, let's win most of our games <laughs> early in the yeah, season, when, and when, then when you put it we'll like that, really, <laughs> when we'll be in a really good position to win the league. So sometimes it's just good to have that sort of tangible target, like overtly stated, isn't it? To have it as a as something to aim for, rather than. We are all thinking this, right? I'm thinking it. Is he thinking it? Are you thinking what we're thinking? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's good to have it out there. Um, it's it was a bit it was a bit tight, wasn't it? We can't keep um, playing catch up like we have been doing and expecting to get away with it. So, fair play to uh, to Walker for for putting it out there. And let's hope they let's hope they latch on. But you'd hope that they were on that kind of trajectory anyway, thought wise. Yeah. Uh, Mark, the uh, the other thing that Walker said in that interview, and I guess it kind of speaks to um, keeping the squad fresh, and we'll we'll come into the transfer window a bit later on. Um, but he said that uh, you know he, he sits next to um, Guardiola in the uh, in the changing rooms, and he's not won the Premier League, so he wants to win it for him this year. And it's that kind of it, it's it's almost like the, the the idea of there being complacency after three titles in a row it just isn't there, is it? Yeah, well, I think well that has always been a huge thing each and every season, uh, hasn't it? Just within the dynamic, within the dressing room, within the squad, um, Guardiola has absolutely insisted that that hunger's there. It was the whole happy flowers thing middle of last season. Um, and look, I think it's almost natural that when you have a season like last season that perhaps some players um, begin to consider their options, think, have I, have I you know, essentially achieved all that I can here? Um What's I, I said this line on another podcast, but there's that Sid Woodell line about Alexander the Great crying salt tears for there were no more worlds left to conquer. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. So <laughs> that basically, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Uh, so you know, it's a great. They, they've line, achieved. Isn't it? They've yeah. achieved so much. Yeah, it's, it's a, I'm, and I'm I'm shamelessly ripping it off for a second podcast in a row. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's they've achieved so much that you almost expect that little hunger not to be there maybe for some players. And I think you saw that borne out in a lot of the conversations that were had over the summer, over different players' futures, Walker included. But, um, you know, there's that is also, it's interesting that he's mentioned Gvardiol there because it is also perhaps a little factor that he actually wants it to win for other players who haven't in the squad yet. And we, we can all see that City have gone through something a, a bit more of a rebuild than we're actually used to most seasons this year. And so perhaps that's playing on some of the more experienced, more senior players' minds as well, that they want to they want to do it for their new teammates. Yeah. Uh, Sid Waddell, by the way, uh, does have uh, a little stake in football. Um, uh, do you know uh, the TV series that he wrote? Yeah. Uh, I did know he was a TV writer, but I didn't. I don't know which TV show you're referring to. So yeah, please. he he wrote the kids' TV series uh, Jossie's Giants. Oh, uh, did he? Yeah. Whoa! No way! What a classic! <laughs> yeah. So uh, did go. he write the lyrics to the theme tune? I don't know. <laughs> that was a cracker. I don't know, I'm afraid. But uh, yeah, Sid Woodell uh, authored uh, Jossie's Giants. There you go. Uh, learn something new every day. Um, Let's talk uh, about the the change after half time, Chris, in that uh, in that Fulham game. Because um, if the first half showed, in many ways, the value of players that can hold the ball in the front three, because City were just not keeping possession at the top end, the second half showed what happens when they do keep possession, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's a real mentality shift. I don't know if uh, we are aware of whether Pep is on a big screen or 
you know, we've got a little R2 unit projecting a hologram of him into the middle of the dressing room. <laughs> help, um, help me, Pep Guardiola, you're my only yeah, hope. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But um, sometimes you, you do need that half-time talking to, don't you, just to, just to reset. And, um, yeah, there's a tangible difference, one which I think we all expected and hoped for. And it was really, really comfortable in the end. Yeah, the uh, the change of shape, Mark, uh, by switching Doku over to the left, Foden then goes into the middle, and Walker provides the the width on the right hand side. Um, I was surprised that City didn't do that earlier because I've I've really liked that that kind of setup this season. I think it gives them a lot of it, it gives them the opportunity to strangle opposition, and I and I think that's what City need at the moment when De Bruyne is injured, isn't it? Yeah, I liked it as well when they when they did it against Newcastle, and I think it might be just a little bit sometimes a bit opponent dependent um i think it really you know against newcastle it it really helped almost like expose dan burn there and his perhaps lack of mobility and lack of pace and if you got walker covering that whole side you can with his pace you you can afford to do that so i think it worked for the newcastle game on you know saturday fulham i think they they didn't have Palina, did they? And I think he's so important to them in terms of their what they do defensively and out of possession that um, you can afford to take a few more risks, a few more liberties. I yeah, I like that because I I think Foden obviously everyone's wanted Foden playing in the middle for so long, but him moving off that right and into the middle, um, and then he and then he was taking up more positions actually centrally as well. I think towards the end of the first half, it just. I think City just look more threatening when they play that way. Um, yeah. And like I say, I don't think it's I don't think it's um, one to, that suits every single opponent. But um, against the right opponent, yeah, it's it's one way, like you say, of getting that creativity that everyone's talking about in in De Bruyne's absence. Yeah, yeah, I, it, it's the Foden in the middle thing, isn't it, Chris? That's like in in De Bruyne's absence, that's just where you want to see him play. Definitely, and it's often um, key injuries that allow. Uh, players that are waiting in the wings to flourish. So he's, you know, we've all, everyone's been clamouring for for him to be played in that role, not least himself, I would think. And um, he's just he's just a joy to watch, especially in, when he's getting more of the ball and he can be more direct and take, you know, draw players out from the middle and, and get those passes and runs uh, inside going. Yeah, it's 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 what we all want. Yeah, do you get um, do you get any more excitement from watching him in the centre or on the wing just because of the fact that you know he's come through the academy, he's a Stockport lad, all that sort of stuff? Um, but the fact that he's he's kind of running games from the centre at the moment is that does that make City a little bit more special for you? Definitely, you want it's great to have a homegrown um, City fan, academy talent in the heart of the team, you know, literally in the middle of it. But don't get me wrong. If he's on the wing and playing brilliantly and seeing a lot of the ball, then I'm I'm kind of happy with that. But yeah, more happy uh, if he's in his preferred role, pulling the strings because he's worked hard for it for a long time. He's definitely good enough, and he deserves the opportunity to to prove that. Yeah, he's been patient, hasn't he, Mark? He, he has. He's needed to be as well. And I think, like, I, I agree with what Chris says there. I think look, every City fan wants to see a player that you know is is idolized and held up in that image of of being a local city lad just just fulfilling everything that he wants to be and you know this is the position he wants to play i think guardiola has always been pretty clear in the past about why he doesn't play there more often and it's to do with that 
what he does off the ball, basically, and that he's got more to learn from a defensive perspective there. Um, and it's something that was reflected with England as well. I, you know, I was at the World Cup cover in England, and there was, if you remember, after that, was it? I think it was after the US game. Everybody wanted Foden to to start and to play centrally, um, and Southgate thought the same. He thought he just doesn't quite have it, um, like the, the, the nous off the ball to be able to play there, but. Um, I think this little system, like with, like I say, with Walker covering up and down that right-hand side, you've got a lot of coverage there. Um, you're not really going to be exposed. If Foden's there as well, he can chip in, but then drift into the middle. I think it just works. Um, yeah. yeah. So so if the, if that's the way, if this is the, the method for getting him into a more central position, then maybe it's something to explore further, absolutely. Does that method work when De Bruyne is fit again, though? That's the question. Or is that well, just a can that needs yeah. kicking down the road for now? Well, we, we can we can kick that down the road for like four or five months or whatever it is now. But um, I think, look, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. I think when De Bruyne comes back, a lot's going to change, isn't it? Because then, look, Bernardo can play wide, Foden can play wide. Uh, you can put different combinations in the middle of players that we haven't really seen before because of Kovacic and Nunes' arrivals. So... That is a bit of a variable that we're only really going to find out later in the season, but it isn't a problem for now. And and uh, the, the problem City have now really is like replacing De Bruyne, De Bruyne's creativity, if you like, in in the aggregate. Because nobody, like Pep said, you can't copy and paste, right? Nobody's yeah. going to nobody's got his ability to do what he does. So you need to find systems and combinations that that replicate it, if you like. And um, I think they've yeah, I think they've landed on one here that can certainly work in a lot of games against different opponents. Yeah. Um, that brings us, um, in a roundabout way, to Doku, Chris. Um, what did you make of his debut? How do you think he did? I thought he played well, considering it is a debut. Um, it's not easy to come into a team, especially a high-achieving team, and you're trying to you know, prove that you're at that level. Um, you're getting used to your teammates, your surroundings. <clears throat> it's obviously a settling in period, but you don't get much time to dwell. I mean... <laughs> Obviously, a lot of people say it takes a year to settle into a Pep team. I don't think you've got that as a as a winger necessarily. Um, he needs to show that he's effective and that he knows the system and understands the way we play pretty sharpish. And I think by and by he did that. Were you surprised and, that that he was thrown in in that case? Given that, I mean, I, at this stage, given that Guardiola's had surgery, I don't know if they've met yet. Mm. Good question. I should know that. Sorry. <laughs> all right, I was asking Chris. Question. You can't yeah, right. think about it. <laughs> well, display my I, shouldn't, I shouldn't even know that. So why have you asked me that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it is a good question whether they've met or not. But am I surprised to see him thrown in? Not really. None of our team selections surprise me, uh, especially the surprising ones, because that's just the nature <laughs> of the piece. Um, I, I was pleased to see him thrown in. And you know, in many ways, it's a perfect way to be thrown in. Uh, it's your, your, your debut at home. It's against Fulham. There's, uh, it's kind of, although it's an important three points like every other, um, it's kind of like the least precious scenario that the Premier League is going to throw at you. I mean, if he didn't do well, you could take him off for a bit and bed him in again. But I thought, I thought he did well. Did you think he did well? Uh, I'll let Mark answer that. Oh, whether I thought you whether you thought he did well, no. I'll answer that. No, whether whether you thought he did well. No, I Do you think I, I think David thinks he played well? <laughs> I think David thinks he played badly. 
or not that badly, but poorly. I don't think but he played. I, think... I don't think he played that well, but I thought he did no. all right. Badly's a bit strong. <laughs> so yeah. badly is strong. Yeah, David thinks that he didn't play that well. I thought he played. Well, I didn't I... play well. I didn't play. Well. I didn't play at all. No, you didn't play. No, uh, right. But, I sorry. think playing not that bad, not that well <laughs> on your debut is playing quite well. Uh, that's because a... he didn't play badly. Yeah, that's a point well made. Um, Thanks. But okay. <laughs> Right, sorry. I'm, I feel like. Uh, Am I having my, a fever dream? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my brain's dripping out my ear now. I think it's, dream, <laughs> it's drinks break time. Isn't it? Is, that, uh, is that sweat or brain food? <laughs> uh, look, I thought, uh, I thought he played literally as as expected. A winger. Okay. Yeah, but no. Well, I think that um, look. So to borrow from another sport, it was par. It was par, yeah, yeah. That's a good, yeah. Okay, let's let's just get back on track. It it was kind of par for what we expected, right? It was good. There was some good. There was some bad. I think people always look for positives with new signings, right? They're always looking to accentuate the positive. Um, everything that we knew about him coming into this was that like he's raw and he'll run at people, and he did that. Um, but he's not a pep winger, is he? And there's going to be a point where he's, he's you know, he's gonna, he's he's going to come to know that soul crushing sense of having to turn back inside and pass <laughs> to, to Rodri or the centre half. You know, that that is coming. He's gonna go through that meat grinder. But um but yeah, he's like I, I thought like it was everything that you expected from a player that uh, that we heard about, but at the same time he's just not got that he's just not he's he, he's not a city player yet, is he? And I think yeah. you could tell that there was there was, there was some I think, I think that's where I'm at, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's not a city player yet. Like there was, I, there was one back pass where he actually did. I think the one time where he did turn and like play back to the centre halves, played it back to Aki, and it and totally missed him by a mile, and it went all the way through to Edison. And it's like, okay, you've not got this yet. But um, is he new? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But um, no, I think it's really because the whole when when he was being named and obviously all the, all the reporting around him signing. City didn't have to sign a guy that it really doesn't fit the template for a Guardiola winger. So there's still a reason why they signed him. They still got um, raw abilities that they wanted as a, as a maybe as a kind of plan B. But I think you saw that it's going to take some time just to adapt to to his new surroundings. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it speaks volumes. I think that when I when I judged his performance, I looked at it and thought he was taking on his man too much, and that so <laughs> yeah, I've, I've yeah. been properly pet washed here. <laughs> Well, I mean, he wants to impress, doesn't he? There were a few nice sort of flourishes with his signature little uh, ways of that sort of, I don't know, just, yeah, there's probably I'm, a name for it. You know, he did that little flip one way and then the other with the same yeah. foot while you're still on, you're, on your left foot standing and you flip it left and right with your right foot. Yeah, and yeah. I used, I used to play against one who used to do that and five aside, like right in front of the goal. And every time they'd score, it really pissed me off because I, like, yeah. I knew they were going to do it and I couldn't stop it. So like, it's well, a skill thing, that right? I don't possess. Yeah. If you've got pace and you can pull that off, then you're away. Oh, by the way, if, um, have I made you aware of a potential new song for uh, Doku? Oh, God. <laughs> it's actually, ironically, courtesy of that terrace darling, Eddie Grant, who also oh, yeah. supplied a tune for, um, you remember the Cole Palmer song? Give me goals, Cole Palmer, give me goals, <laughs> Cole Palmer, give me goals. Andy Prem soon come. Well, there's, there's another, there's another Eddie Grant song. Well, it's the only other one I know, Electric Avenue. Yeah, which happens to fit quite nicely with, he's gonna destroy you. Is Jeremy Doku? Your defense is looking tired. I like it. He's gonna get past you. Is Jeremy Doku? He's taking City higher. 
Oh my god! god. <laughs> just does that. Yeah. Yeah, that bit's optional, but I just thought I'd share. You don't. You can edit out if you want. I, I, that is not getting edited out, mate. You're you're on record with that now. You can listen to the show ad free by joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Let's talk about uh, a little bit further forward as well, Mark, because um, the start of the season has been uh, a bit odd for Erling Haaland in that he's, he's completely mirrored his goal start from last season. He scored two on the opening day, not in the next game, uh, one in the game after that, and then a hat trick after that. And he's done exactly the same this season. Um, and I suppose it's good for him to get his eye back in with that penalty as well. Yeah, that is so weird, isn't it? Like that—that that is replicant stuff. That is kind of Terminator-esque. Just just repeating the algorithm from last season. Um, just yeah. restarted him. Just re- yeah. reboot. <laughs> reboot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, have you, thought... have you watched Battlestar Galactica? Because the Cylons uh, <laughs> projected themselves in human form. So he maybe he may just be. And, and some of them didn't know that they were Cylons. Maybe he doesn't know he's a machine. Maybe not, oh. no, but I've I've never watched Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> so I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> if, if you could have seen me, you'd have just been shaking your head when you opened with that. But still, um, <laughs> sorry, <Switched> um, <laughs> I was like, no. Uh, but um, yeah, look, I think uh, I, I, it's kind of like Lilo said afterwards. He didn't really play that well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so it's remarkable how unremarkable Harland hat tricks are now. I think like he's got. I think I saw a stat that he's. He's only played 39 Premier League games and there's only seven players that have scored more or eight players that have scored more hat-tricks. Like, this just happens now. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't... It even happens without us taking, like... You know, it's the, it's, it's the fourth item or whatever that we've discussed uh, from this game. Um, look, I, yeah... Boring I, I, hat-trick merchant. <laughs> just another boring hat-trick merchant. I, look, he's a... What, what, I know we because I'm, I feel like it's a cop out because we were saying this exactly this time last year. But what what else is there to say about him? Yeah. I think like got he, he, like you say got his eye back in on the penalty. But is there ever really any doubt that he was going to miss one again? Like like you know, he's the best penalty taker on the side. Expect him to score every time he steps up. Um, yeah, the yeah like the the finish for the third as well. I thought was you know it would be one that you talk about if it was any other player but he we've seen that from him several times where it's just first time and it's just so direct and straight into the corner um yeah look i think he's still he can he can obviously improve city can can improve but the fact that he's still banging in hat tricks while well, you can say that just goes to show everything that we already know about him basically yeah it's, it's sometimes nice that that third goal chris it's sometimes nice isn't it to watch a player just hit it really hard <laughs> oh, he just absolutely slammed it, didn't he? Emphatic. And it was really good work from um, Gomez. Blank. Gomez. Gomez, thank you. Yeah, really good <laughs> yeah. work from, from Gomez. Um, really confident, good skill. Um, you know, to, to come in, wait impatiently and and have that kind of approach play and awareness to, to set him up was, was really good to see as well. And again, we're, we're talking about Haaland hat-trick and it's so dull and obvious that I end up talking about somebody else instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's talk about him in the context of somebody else as well, Chris, because um, mm. Julian Alvarez has been uh, playing alongside him a lot more this season. Uh, whether or not that's in the absence of De Bruyne or whether or not that was it's been an intentional thing to kind of create a little bit of a partnership between the two of them. Um, how do you think they link up together? Really well. Uh, they seem to be a good foil for one another. Uh, I mean... On the face of it, it looks like a classic big man, little man. Um, 
lump it up and then if you want to go through, but they obviously have got far more uh, to their dynamic together. They're both, well, Haaland's increasingly better at holding the ball up, uh, it seems, as time goes on. Um, Alvarez drops deep well and his, his link-up play is pretty decent. And uh, yeah, it's great to see that we've got a way to play them both in the team at the same time because when you've just won the World Cup, you want to be, you want to be being played. Otherwise, you feel like you're just festering on the bench, and you deserve it. And if you're early in Haaland, you need to be playing because you're early in Haaland. Yeah, um, Dom Farrell picked up on a point. I don't, I, and like I said, I don't want to um, say that Guardiola's stealing ideas here. Uh, but if you replace uh, Haaland with Gota and Alvarez with Dickoff, and then uh, the left winger with uh, Kennedy, you've basically got how City set up in 1999, 2000. <laughs> well, it's clearly. A- it's clearly taken from the Joe Royal blueprint, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, can you see a bit of a change of structure maybe, though, uh, Mark, to, to be able to get these two in more often over the course of the season? Because as Chris says, you, you can't, like, ultimately, Haaland is the first choice and you can't just have another season where Alvarez gets a bit of game time here and there when Haaland can't play because he is a World Cup winner. He's going to want more than that. Yeah, you, you're right about that, but then... It's just what we were discussing before about when De Bruyne is back, I think, um, and it becomes, you, you, you know, you're struggling to pick a place for every player that deserves to play. I mean, can you can you play Haaland, De Bruyne, Alvarez and Foden in the same side? I think the evidence of last season was that Pep was always really reluctant to do that. Um, yeah, but imagine if he did. Imagine, imagine if he did. Imagine if he just let us have fun for <laughs> once in a while. Um, uh, God, this guy. Um, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I could see it. I can see it, but I, I think it comes at the expense of one of those other two in, in terms of De Bruyne and Foden. Um, so, look, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Obviously, the partnership is is working really well, and I know, obviously. Our friend Sam Lee's written about this this week as well. I was reading this piece about from the game. Um, I think he he did it on Haaland and Alvarez, and no, Alvarez offers a lot more than than Foden. Uh, sorry, than Haaland does in terms of link up play, in terms of um, out of possession, whatever. He's he's bringing more to the game and more to the team than just pure goals. But um, he's he's perhaps still not bringing as much as as the other. Uh, eight outfielders are, if you know what yeah. I mean. If we think about City as a team that w- was basically 10 midfielders and, and a goalkeeper um, a few he seasons does, ago and then how he joined. Sorry, Sorry to interrupt, Mark. He does get slated yeah, go for being, going missing, doesn't he, um, Alvarez? I'm yeah, just yeah. Twitter, so. yeah, and I can see it really. I, I think doesn't always really have the, you know, if he... If we're taking him, I know we said that there's no real replacement for De Bruyne, but if we're taking him as the guy that's coming to the team when De Bruyne is out uh, and they're trying to foster that relationship with Haaland that De Bruyne has, it just isn't always there and it isn't always as reliable. And I know that sounds daft saying it after a game where they've scored four goals and think they've set each other up. And you know, But like again, I, I kind of agreed with some of the perspectives that they just didn't really play that well either of them you would say even though they were really effective um so I think it's still a partnership that needs a bit of time and needs a bit of work but um and, and Pep said that in the past he's been reluctant to play them together up until about until about the spring really wasn't it so I think it just needs a bit of time and a bit of work but um it's it's an option I, it's just how it all shakes out and all comes together 
Yeah. Now, uh, let's finish the first part of the show with um, a, a, a quick look at that second goal because Fulham were unhappy about City's second goal. Um, Mark, have they got a case? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you think. I, I, thought, I, th- I think it's cut and dry, to be honest, mate. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like um, I did see some... Basically, everybody said, yeah. It's 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 offside. Um, like in terms of social media, City fans I follow stuff like that. It it reminded me a lot of the Bruno Rashford one at Old Trafford last season, and that any layman and you know common sense I think dictates that that is offside. Uh, and anyone would say that. And it's interesting that they've they've been doing that. Um, match officials mic'd up. Uh, have you seen this with Howard yeah. Webb explaining the decisions? And he said he said that it shouldn't have stood either. And you listen back to the actual conversation that the VAR team had. And it's, have you have you listened to that stuff? Have you watched yeah. some of these? It's crazy, isn't it? How the referees just shouted, wait, wait, over the top of it. And you've kind of got to ignore him because he's, he's obviously <laughs> talking to all the players. He's like, shut up, we're looking at it or whatever. And they've got to make a decision while having that in their ear. It's actually maybe you respect the fact that it's quite hard, you know, and you can see how mistakes happen when, you know, they're not just sat back in a, in a nice chill booth with some ambient music on trying to figure out whether someone's handballed it or if, if, if the, if, if their shoulders offside or whatever, it's, it's actually quite difficult. There's a lot going on and a lot of pressure. Maybe that's what's needed in the VAR. Yeah. 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 Maybe just, um, yeah. Like, field like some Vivaldi into, uh, <laughs> yeah. into Stockton yeah. Park. <laughs> yeah. Um so I can understand how they get things wrong. Um but that is one that I just think anyone looks at and says, Yeah, that's offside. Because yeah. Leno definitely is anticipating either for the ball to to hit a kanji or for a kanji to move out of the way and, and I you know, it it just affects him, doesn't it? So yeah. offside from my opinion. The law doesn't uh, differentiate about whether a goalkeeper would or wouldn't have been able to make a save in their in terms of their ability, uh, just whether right. it, it, it impacts their decision. Um, it's uh, Akanji becomes active if he clearly attempts to play the ball, which is close when this action impacts on an opponent, or makes an obvious action which clearly impacts on the ability of an opponent to play the ball. And you could argue he did both. So um, yeah, yeah kind totally. of, it's like you know these you know you know some people interpret the Bible literally. Like they think, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, the world was created in seven days. Oh, well, six days, and then he took a day off, or whatever. Like it's like that, isn't it? You can read the law one way, and sure, but you, the interpretation of it. Um, we all we all know football by now, and we all know that that. That's a, for my opinion, that was offside. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's perfectly okay as well, Chris, to say it was offside because uh, just like like all the you know, all, all the United fans that I was speaking <laughs> to at work last year who would not admit that um, the Bruno Fernandez goal shouldn't have stood, and I was and I had to say to them, listen, lads, the game's finished. Like they're not going to take the win away from you. You can say it's mm. offside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, maybe if God hadn't have taken that day off and he could have sorted the offside rule out with the world would be a, a better place but I think uh, Marco Silva was saying after the game uh, or at least his interpreter was that um, it just it's one of these examples that shows the people making these decisions aren't football people because I'm looking at that and I'm by no means an experienced goalkeeper but I've played football enough and I've been in net enough to be looking at that and be able to Put myself in the position of the goalkeeper, and think. Well, if I'm if that's happening to me, he's in the way. You can see him kind of stall. It's affecting his ability to play the ball as a keeper because it's his thought process has been kind of judded by what's happening in front. It's just fucking obvious. Like what? How? How are you? Maybe you need. Um, oh, that's even more over over complicated. But 
a football person like i mean you, should, you shouldn't have to have that should you somebody actually knows about football advising the uh <laughs> the var crew it's just Proper insane it's just well yeah. yeah but like i mean how do you qualify to to do that job surely some semblance of football experience that will give you more of a a baseline knowledge to work from because it the 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 dearth of common sense that has gone into that decision is just unfathomable really yeah and i think that the, the thing for me is ultimately that yeah we got away with it this time but next time uh you know we concede one like that we hit the roof so it's uh it's uh it, it goes both ways uh now the transfer window is closed and uh, we know what manchester city squad will look like until january at the very least sam roscoe has been taking a look at the business done this summer It was the potential outgoings that seemed to be one of the bigger issues for City in the summer transfer window. In the end, five players left from the first team squad, but it could have been more. Ilkay Gundogan was the first to go after his contract expired. At his unveiling in Barcelona, he explained how he told Guardiola that he'd be moving on. It was on the phone, it was a phone call, we were both um, on holiday already. But for me it was important that um, he is the first one to get the information from me directly. I just took my phone and, uh, and, and, and rang him and um, explained to him everything. Expressed my appreciation towards him, towards what the club has done for me in the last uh, seven years. And of course he took it um, in kind of a sad way. But on the other side, I guess, this is my interpretation a little bit, that um, he was maybe also a little bit happy that I'm joining his childhood club, so he just wished me wished me and my, my family all the best for the future. That move was a few days after City had bolstered their ranks with the signing of Mateo Kovacic from Chelsea. He told City TV why he joined. I'm joining the current Champions League winners, uh, Premier League uh, winners, so it's it's an amazing team which, uh, with, with amazing players, a great coach. And you can see from the first impressions when I came here that it's a huge, a big club and it's really a pleasure uh, to be part of it. Always when I watch City, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to watch them, how they, how they play and it's so tough to play against them. It's probably the, the worst uh, opponent to play against because uh, amazing skills on the, balls and on the ball and how they play, it's, it's just beautiful to watch and uh, I'm now a part of it. And one in, one out was how it stayed for a while. It was another month before anything concrete happened, when Riyad Mahrez left for Saudi Arabia at the end of July. The winger didn't feature in several key games at the end of last season, and it seemed the writing was on the wall at that point. Here's Pep Guardiola speaking after Mahrez's hat-trick in the FA Cup semi-final. Always is grumpy with me when he doesn't play. He make me notice how grumpy he feels. Riyad loves to play football. He's a big fan, of. he's an amateur spirit. Like, it's not a guy, I have a contract, I have to do my job, I come here, how many hours I have to train, how many games I have to play, do my job, I go home. It's completely the opposite. And that's why when he's upset, don't play, because he want to play. I understand completely. I know I lost the battle to make him understand how important is the group and everything. So, yeah, important is when he plays, play in that level. And when that's happened, everything is fine. After Mares' departure, the window continued at a very slow pace for City. 
After some intense negotiations, they got the deal done to bring in Josko Gvardiol from RB Leipzig. He explained why he decided to move to Manchester. It's just simple, you know, especially after the, the perfect season, I would say, last season. I decided to, to, to join you and uh, yeah, to become one of you, to learn from the best and of course to be coached by the, by the best coach in the world. He, like Kovacic, also explained what it was like playing against City and why that was a factor in his move. To be honest, everyone wanted to, last season, to avoid you. It was just unbelievable the, the way they play at home and uh, the atmosphere, also the calmness on the ball. It was just, it was just a different level and uh, yeah, I said a couple of times that you, you guys deserve it and uh, yeah, happy for you. The transfer was confirmed in early August, about a week before the Premier League season would kick off. It went quiet again for a few weeks until news broke that Emmerich Laporte had moved to Al Nasser on the same day that Jeremy Doku joined from Rennes. He was asked what he'd bring to City. As a footballer, yeah, I'm quick, I'm strong, like to dribble, technique. I think um, the way I dribble, my speed, those are things that I can add to the group. Of course, the group is already uh, a top group with a lot of top players, but I think that I can add that to the group. That was on the 24th of August, and it got busier still, because one long-running transfer saga got a conclusion that day too. Bernardo Silva signed a contract extension. It's been wanting to keep winning because I'm going for my seventh, seventh season at, at City and since I arrived I, I just remember one season where we weren't successful so to be here until now meant trophies, meant winning a lot and uh, I like to win, it's good to win, it's, it's not easy. So to be in a winning team, it's a very good feeling and I wanted to keep it that way. Reports suggest that Bernardo's extension includes a formal buyout clause after years of him wanting to move on. But at least it put an end to the speculation about his future for now. Another who almost left was Kyle Walker. He told reporters in the mix zone after Saturday's win over Fulham that a transfer to Bayern Munich had been very much on the cards. In the back of my head it was always I wanted to, you know, play for Manchester City, but I had to do what was right for, you know, for me, for my, my future, um, and that was just which whichever club gave me, you know, the the most years because I still think I've got a lot of life in the legs, uh, and I wanted to continue playing football. How close were you? It was close. It was close, but in football, things can happen. Things can happen. Decisions can be made. Things can turn and it wasn't meant to be. There was still time for more business on deadline day too. First, Mateus Nunes joined from Wolves. It's a dream come true. I always wanted to play for a big club in England. Being the champions, of, of course, I mean, it's, a, it's amazing for, for me to everything to come here. The coach as well. I mean, uh, it's a huge club. It has a lot of, like, uh, the best you can get, the best opportunities, uh, the best structure. So I think there's a lot of factors that uh, influenced my decision to come here. I think it was an easy one. When I, found, I first found out that uh, they were interested in me, I didn't think twice. Later that afternoon, City's business was finished with the sale of Cole Palmer to Chelsea for £42.5 million and the loan of Joao Cancelo to Barcelona. Opinion is split over whether it's been a good summer or not. Targets like Jude Bellingham or Declan Rice moved to other clubs. Some experienced players chose to leave 
and many of City's deal took a long time to be completed. That said, four wins from the first four games, you can't argue with how well the team started the season on the pitch. We'll see over the next few months how the new look squad handles fighting on all fronts this time round. Hi, this is Andy Morrison and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. But don't worry, it'll be over soon. That was Sam Roscoe taking a look at City's transfer window. Um, Chris, for you, um, how do you think the, the, the window's gone? Are, are you okay with where the squad is at? Do you think it looks a bit light, needs a bit more? What, what, uh, what's your gut instinct? Um, well, he likes a small squad. We've certainly got one. Um, not helped in the least by uh, the demise of Kev. So, yeah, on the one hand, I'm pleased with the signings. I like them. Um, you know, they make me feel positive. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, we're still waffle uh, thin, aren't we? Um, yeah. Another couple of key injuries and it's we're going to be up against it. What, what, of, I, uh, what I would say... Yeah, what I would say to that um, is obviously the like on a raw numbers level, it's it's five players out, four in: Gundogan, Mares, Laporte, Palmer, Cancelo out, and uh, Kovacic, Guardiol, Doku, Nunes in. Um, Cancelo, Laporte, Palmer weren't really playing last season, so it's effectively two players out, four players in. Wow, I like the way you do maths, man. <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty pretty cool. No, uh, yeah, when you put it like that. So it's so like What's, he may what, he may what, have what like in, in actual terms he may have a smaller squad, but in real terms he's got a bigger squad. I don't know. Oh, I know. I do get what you meant. Uh, oh yeah, no, I wasn't <laughs> suggesting. I wasn't suggesting that you did. <laughs> I wasn't right, saying. Oh, I think I'll get this. one more time. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a positive. So that five uh, out feeling becomes that I get like like fob. like just two out because of the. You, you see what I mean? <laughs> Oh. You're starting to sound like Todd Bowley with the amortisation stuff now. Like, <laughs> yeah. This isn't how numbers work. Like they're, they're five are out and four are in. Okay, that's you that's don't understand, fast. man. It's on a 17 season contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I see what you're saying. I do get it, and uh, yeah, no, I'm. I'm Let me just underline it for you, just so that you absolutely <laughs> get it. <laughs> Let me just clean that window. Uh, no, I, I like it. I like I like the players we've got. Um, I've always liked Kovacic and uh, he's impressed me more than I thought he would. Although, you know, he's, everyone was a bit sloppy in that first half against Fulham. Um, I think his ball playing was something that, like his, uh, you know, his final ball into the into the box was something that um, I'd seen a few Chelsea fans sort of go off a bit, saying, oh, yeah, you wait, he's no good at this, you won't like it because of this. Actually, I've been really impressed with him. Doku, I think there's more to come. Um, and Nunez, I must admit, Nunez, I don't know much about, but I know he um, was really good at running through United. I don't know whether that's much of a, a benchmark. That, that, that might just be United, though. We, uh, we let, let's not yeah. um, let's let's not read too much into that one go. Yeah, well, that's that's what I meant. I can explain that again if you want. <laughs> um, I mean, do you know much about him? I, I don't know how how excited I should be, but I mean, in answer to your question, I'm pleased. But tell me more about Nunez, anyone? If they if they can, 
Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I can't. Can you, Mark? <laughs> well, I think um, I remember the first time I came across him was after, do you remember the sporting uh, club de Portugal to give them the proper title? Um, club. Club. Uh, in the last 16, was it? The season yeah. before last? Mm. And we were sat down. I, I was did that away, actually. And we were sat down in the press conference, uh, just waiting for Guardiola to come in. And then, obviously, it starts popping up this quote that he'd done, pitch side to the TV or whatever, that, you know, Matheus Nunes is one of the best players in the world. And I was like, the, f- the fuck is he talking about now? You know, like, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> who is this guy? Um, <laughs> and, I t- you know, clearly, clearly I'm just really ignorant because I'd actually watched him for 90 minutes and hadn't noticed him or even really Still like, heard of him. taken his name in. Um, but look, uh, clearly, like, Guardiola's a big fan. Uh, I know he dishes out praise a lot, but, you know, that's that's pretty high praise. Uh, so he must think he's all right, at least. Yeah. And, um, yeah, look, I, for Wolves, having seen bits of him for Wolves, he has got that ability to kind of drive through the midfield to carry the ball. Um, it's kind of, I think it marks a bit of a change, really, in... Yeah, Guardiola was always on about dribbling and how how much he loves dribbling, and it's the first thing he always asks when a player, you know, when when the club brings a player to him, is can they dribble? Um, you can see that with Doku. You can you think you can see that with Nunes as well. Who do that? Um, can, can, can they dribble? Because we need to stop them doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can they pass yeah. inside? <laughs> can they pass inside? Yeah, it is a bit of a contradiction, but apparently that is what he asks. Yeah, um, so that probably is the follow up actually. Um, but yeah, uh, I think look, the the big question is whether we can. Re- kind of take the burden off Rodri, right? Um, yeah. Because because the Phillips signing just absolutely hasn't done that for whatever reason. So, um, and I, th- I think he can. I think that he'll be able to play that position, but he'll probably play it in a slightly different way. And it might mean that, yeah, City's set up slightly differently, that they aren't always as possession-focused, that sometimes it is more about running. But again, like I said before, you know, I'm sure they'll all go through the, the Guardiola, uh, like cookie cutter or whatever, and, and he'll, he'll, he'll be, he'll conform to the system eventually. But uh, look, he's, he's a talented player, Liverpool are in for him as well. Um, I don't think he was City's first choice. I think that's well documented given the, the names that were being banded around before that and all the circumstances that happened. But um, I think he's a, yeah, he's a guy that certainly fills a hole at the minute and um, he's probably a bit better than that, actually. That's probably a bit of a service as well. So so looking forward to seeing him uh, yeah. seeing him start, yeah. And first choices don't really mean anything because Diaz was uh, comfortably not City's first choice and yet, look, he's, uh, he's turned mm. into uh, one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah, it's um, that was Haaland, really. Yeah, um, he worked Kane, didn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, Chris, on the outgoings front, um, are you disappointed to lose Cole Palmer or was he, in reality, just not going to get any more opportunities this season than in previous years? Well, if you look at it another way, it's one Eddie Grant song out and one Eddie Grant song in. <laughs> so the squad hasn't really changed uh, in that respect. But um, seriously, I was uh, genuinely disappointed to see him go because it felt to me that he turned a bit of a corner um, at the start of the season in terms of his performance, uh, his confidence, his decision-making. I thought he looked the player that we were hoping he had been because he, I don't know, flattered to deceive is doing him a bit of a disservice, but he just wasn't really cutting it in a way that suggested he was going to definitely make it at City. And when that started to change, oh, he's off. He's like, oh, OK. Um, and now we're hearing stuff coming out about, and I don't know how true this is, um, but he's apparently made some demands of Pep. Whether that, I don't think that generally would go down too well, unless it's a perfectly reasonable 
request <laughs> rather than demand. Like, sorry, you know, I just, it just suddenly had like the reasonable request of like, like, could you, could you get off my foot, please, mate? You stood on my foot. Can you stand off my foot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my lunch. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I was disappointed because I thought he was playing well, and again, he's a local lad. But I also heard another rumor, and I don't know how true this is either, because that's what rumors are. Uh, that as a United fan, he was kind of keen on angling for a move to Old Trafford. Um, so I'd rather, if he was going to go, that he goes to Chelsea than, than there and do well. But uh, it just seems like a mad place to go to expect more first-team football. They've got like 11 players in that position or something. Mm-hmm. And it's his completely new team, club, city, um, language. Um, <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know. I, I wish him all the best, uh, apart from any players, obviously. But I don't know. It'd be interesting one to see how he does. Uh, yeah. If he is talented enough, then and he makes it there, then fair play to him. We all know that Prem soon come is happening uh, at the Etihad, don't we? Yeah, probably, <laughs> that, is, yeah. That, that just has to happen. Yeah. That's how it's gonna. That's how it goes down. Um, when do we play him? I don't. Sorry, I'll just check that. Very good question. I have no idea. Um, let you do that live. Um, Mark, is there a perception, do you think, that... Because um, like, I've seen a lot of people not really be able to de- decide whether this has been a good window or a bad window. And is that down to, ultimately, how long it took City to get some deals over the line? Some of them, like like Nunes to an extent, but Guardiola definitely, were pretty cut and dry. They were they were only going to... like if, if those players were going to move, they were only coming to City. Mm. Um but obviously, like the, the kind of the attitude of just, just get it done, get it done, get it done, and it didn't happen that way. Or is there also this perception that's been a bad window because they were after targets like Declan Rice, like Jude Bellingham, and they've gone elsewhere? Yeah, interesting. I think I think it's been a window that has been like not whether really in recent years for City because of just how things have had to change because of events. Really, like. I don't think when we were previewing the window back in May, obviously Saudi Arabia wasn't really a factor. And yeah. then um, I know in the end, it's only Mares and Laporte that have left uh, for that. And look, I, I don't think Mares, I think, don't, sorry, I don't think Laporte was a surprise. I think Mares may be more of a surprise, but then at the same time, you know, it's, it's no, no great skin off anyone's nose. I don't think, I, I think people understood, but, that it was going to happen when it happened. Um, so, I, I, But I think that element of it is just maybe, you know, because City is usually so well-prepared and well-planned and, and business is done early and it's the right targets. And like you say, things are cut and dry because we know which players they're going for and, and they tend to get them done and they aren't moving anywhere else. It has been a bit different this year. Um, I think it is really down to those factors. I think the rice thing, what you hear never really sure just exactly how committed they were to that. And I think that was ultimately borne out in, in how, you know, there was a bid and then once it got to a certain point, they were, they were ready to walk away. And to be fair, I think that's one thing that city are actually quite good at is that um, if for any reason they feel like they're not getting a good deal, or if they feel that like players, um, not committed, maybe not, yeah, not, not, not absolutely committed and exclusively for them they will they will walk away from that and yeah maybe I guess in the case of Rice and Bellingham certainly those players had other options on the table that they were willing to listen to and so City were like okay uh, for us not for us then Um, so it's been different in that regard Um, but I don't think I honestly don't think it's that much of a criticism like 
Chicky or whoever deserves a lot of criticism for the way that this has gone, or, it's, or even that it's really been a bad window. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. that. I framed that question as if it's been a bad window, yeah. and we just don't know that yet. No, exactly. You can't tell that. And it's a bit daft, isn't it, when everyone's at this time of year is like, yeah, I think that's a 7 out of 10. I think that's an 8 out of 10. Or whatever. We haven't seen the players play yet. You know, you don't, we, nobody knows. So um, I think, yeah, like, really. let's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. So um, let's just see how it shakes out, I think. I think, look, they ultimately got business done. I, I think the squad is a little bit light. I do think that I understand that it's quality over quantity, but I, I think that maybe some of that uh, quality has been lost slightly. But that's going to happen because it's actually a bit of a... It's been a bit of a rebuild by stealth, hasn't it? Like, Doku's yeah. 21, Vario's 21. Uh, the squad last year, I think it was like the sixth oldest in the Premier League. And you, th- they've needed to do that for a while. And we've just seen that happen. And if this, you know, if rebuilds are often quite painful and if the pain of this one was oh we didn't quite you know it took a bit longer than we liked or there was a little bit of uncertainty in the middle over this target or that target well there's a small price to pay so i think overall it's been been a fairly decent window to be honest yeah um and i on the on the kind of size of it front as well i guess it'll fit the squad will feel a bit fuller when de bruyne and stones are back yeah um, I think Stone's back would help Akanji stop going into midfield, and I know there's been a few mixed reviews about that one. Um, so, so that that helps. And again, like we said before, I think De Bruyne when he comes back, that'll unlock a load of different options with the with with new players and new combinations. So it'll feel fuller. Um, I, like I I do I, I take the point about Cancelo didn't play and became irrelevant. Absolutely, Laporte didn't play. Um, that's that's true as well. I do think City were fairly fortunate with injuries last season and all it takes, you know, we've seen that happen at the start of the season. If it happens in a couple of other positions, different positions or several at one time in one position, then I think the squad would be a little bit stretched then. And you, then you're starting to maybe rely on players that aren't as experienced and don't have that seniority and haven't won trophy after trophy over the last few years. That's the risk, I think, going in with this squad. Yeah. But, um, but, no, I think overall it's in a it's it's in a good place and it'll feel like a better place when uh, when those players come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's finish with a few uh, questions from the listeners. Uh, get in touch on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast if you want to send yours in. Uh, you can email as well. Just go to the website bluemoonpodcast.com, Fill in the form there. Uh, we start with Ben Warrender on Twitter who says, "If a Saudi club offer 150 million for Kevin De Bruyne next summer, do you think City would accept the offer? If you were making the decisions for City, would you accept the offer?" Chris, what do you reckon? Um, well, he's 32 now. Um, he's shown a bit of wear and tear. We do tend to do all right without him. 150 million we, is a lot of money. We can't, yeah, we can't expect him to replicate his top form for very much longer. So, we're talking about when he's 33, um, he will have missed most of the season. 150 million. I mean, there's a sort of head and heart answer, isn't there, to that? Uh, head says, take it, because it's great business. We get some really good, um, you know, fresh playing stuff. Heart says, oh, come on, it's Kevin De Bruyne. Don't sell Kevin. But if I was, you know, the club, the club, then I uh, probably would take that. 
It's interesting that, um, I mean, the, the other side of this, Mark, is that De Bruyne would have to agree to go because if, if De Bruyne is not interested in a move to Saudi Arabia, it doesn't matter what they offer. There's no, uh, the, 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 there's no way he's taking the, uh, the deal. Um, but at the same time, it's, it, it's almost that, um, like if City were to get 150 million for Kevin De Bruyne next summer, we'd all be sitting here going, why aren't they spending the 150 million that they've got? Yeah, because uh, they yeah. Ju- they just wouldn't do it, would they? They would just go out and buy their their usual targets <laughs> at, at like sixty or seventy million and make three transfers. I don't know. They'd have to, they'd, they'd have to replace him, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? If, yeah. Let's see if one hundred and fifty million was on the table. <laughs> I just don't know how you do it, though. To be fair, so I, like I don't think it's really. I don't, I don't know if it's even possible. I mentioned that copy and paste thing before. Within the squad, it's not really possible. How many players really do what De Bruyne does in world football? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I think it. I, to be honest, if if they got 150 million and it's there next summer, and I think that is a big question actually, because you know one thing in the whole seller conversation has been, well, do you do you sell? Do you not? It's about whether that money's there next year as well. Like yeah. from it, it, just taking Liverpool's perspective on that specific one. So there's, that is a question whether they'll still be throwing it around next year. I think they will. To be honest, I think there's a couple of years of this left. Um, I would I would take it. I think you have to take it. I think for all the reasons Chris has just said that like. He's 32. He's, you know, the, the side copes are well enough without him. City, you know, <laughs> I tell you what, the old, whenever, whenever whenever they go on about like uh, making making sales from academy products, I mean, this would, obviously he's not an academy product, but it, it, it'd really help out the bank balance, wouldn't it? Like they'd, they'd be sorted in terms of FFP and whatever for a while. So, yeah, I think, um, I think you've got to take it and replacing him would be difficult, but um Look, City's, City's team usually get it right. I'm sure they'd, I'm sure they'd latch onto someone, or again, like like we're saying, re- recreate it in the aggregate and find out a way of putting the system together to replace him. So I'd absolutely take it if it was offered. To be honest, yeah. quick game of open the box, Chris, uh, because uh, if, it, if it's yes to 150 million, is it yes to 100 million? Um, in today's market, in terms of replacement. For what he provides, you're probably going to need more than one player. Fifty million, two players for fifty. Probably not. Um, it's. It, I don't know why I'm feeling so pressured. It's not my money. It's a completely theoretical <laughs> situation, and I, I'm like, oh god, what would I do? Uh, no, no to that. And anyway, oh, right. how ginger is Kev? He's not going to want to go uh, live in Saudi. Why? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. As a fellow day walker, I wouldn't do it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Peter Collier on the email says, uh, could the FA really be successful in convincing Guardiola to take over from Gareth Southgate? And does this worry that Guardiola's time at City is closer to an end than we might want to admit? What do you think the landscape looks like after Guardiola at City? Um so I mean Mark, first off, uh, is that a possibility? Do you, can you see Guardiola managing the England national team after after Southgate? I think yeah. The, always the big question with Guardiola is where would he go next, right? Like, what what would he actually do? Like, because I, I I don't see him going to PSG or whatever. I don't see him going really to Italy. Um, I know he hasn't done anything there, but um, I, I just don't see what club would really coax him over there. Um, he's obviously achieved everything that he could do in Spain with Barcelona, so that that's off. I think it is probably international management. Um, and I think there's always been a suggestion that he likes what Brazil, Argentina, that sort of thing. Um, don't think he'd do Spain given his 
you know, loyalty to uh, Catalonia, whatever. Maybe you would, I don't know. Um, I, I just don't really see it with England, to be honest. And I think, whereas I'm, I'm not saying for one second that the FA would turn up their nose at him, but uh, the path that they've taken with going for English coaches um, has been pretty clear over the past, you know, uh, I think I think they've done their kind of dalliance with foreign coaches. So I'm, I'm sure they'd take him if he was up for it. And I'm sure, like, approach will probably be made at some point if possible. But um, but I just don't really, I just don't really see it. Uh, I think he's, I think he's going to have grander aspirations than that. So yeah. no, um, he has though. Uh, pretty much managed the England national team anyway, hasn't he, Chris? With some of the players that City have got. So does it matter? He's done it already. He doesn't need to leave. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he'd go to England. Um, I think he is he too Catalan to manage Spain. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Don't know. I don't know. Catalan, um, Catalonia, Catalonia, Catalonia. Those guys, <laughs> Catalonia. Those guys have their own national team anyway. Maybe, maybe we could go there and uh, you know see what you, see how you get on without your big checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think City looks like without him, Chris? And do you think that point is coming sooner rather than later these days, given how long he's been here? Well, I think it looks like the Etihad had on Saturday. Great point. <laughs> just true. gone. Yeah, he wasn't uh, there, was he? He wasn't That's there. True. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it looks. Uh, I'm my slight... own petard, though. Well, <laughs> it looks. Uh, um, he has. He has a presence, a, rep- and a well-earned reputation, and a, you know, it would be a weaker place um, with him not there, but a stronger place, even if he isn't there for him having been there and set the foundations that he has for whoever comes in afterwards to hopefully carry on whether that's Vincent Company or um, someone else I don't know but yeah hopefully these traditions that that he's put in place will continue long after he's gone imagine if City just went the complete opposite way and got uh, you know a long ball merchant in just to uh, just to mix it up a bit see what happens like Allardyce yeah yeah (laughs) he might stay around so long that that actually comes back into fashion like he gets left behind by by whatever (laughs) like long ball 2.0 and actually that's the way to play football now so that's that's always a possibility get Tony Pulis in see what happens Um, final question then for this week uh, comes from Adam on Twitter who says uh, did you see that John Stones made posters for his bid for captaincy with the slogan John Stones man of the people what slogans would be good for city captains of the past Um, have we got any ideas here Mark anything yeah I came up with one uh, for Andy Morrison I had one for Andy Morrison this will be good then we'll we'll, we'll have a slogan off it might even be the same one I bet they're going to be the same shall I do it mine was uh, more reasons to captain Morrison like the supermarket jingle (laughs) That's nice. No, mine was different. It was just I will lick you into shape. Oh, I like that. Got, yeah, yeah. He got he got sent off for licking someone's nose, didn't he? Stan Collins' oh, nose, yeah, nonetheless. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, well, who wins then, David? Um, I like them both, but I'm gonna I'm just for the for the, for um the you you wouldn't know this, Mark, but I'm not a massive I'm not a huge fan of puns, so um I'm gonna I'm gonna fall on Chris's side. I'm afraid. The fuck, man! You surprised me. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I I can't. I had one for Richard Dunn as well, which wasn't as good, but it was just uh, get it done. 
Richard Dunn. <laughs> and well, I see, I, 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 having just said that I don't like puns, I quite like that. So there we go. Oh, you like that one what? better? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Christ. <laughs> what about by the book, Tony Book? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, throw the book at. Throw, yeah, throw the book yeah. at me. No, no, you won't want no, that. No, no, you won't want that. No, no, that's that's the right. <laughs> no, you no. definitely don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. Well, if you've got any uh, better suggestions, do get in touch on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Um, and that's it for this week's show. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and thanks to my guests for this one, Chris Higginbottom. Thank you very much for having me. I'm Mark Critchley. Thanks. Thanks. The Morrison's pun was good. Uh, I think the Morrison's pun was good. We'll, was. we'll see what the audience thinks. We'll see what the audience thinks yeah. when they when they hear it. Um, we'll be back after the international break to look ahead to the game with West Ham. So I'll see you then. That was the Blue Moon podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can, and don't forget you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's. I was the first woman to read the classified football results on British National Radio. Um, And that was at the time when I was having to read results out of City losing to York City and uh, Mansfield, (laughs) Lincoln. Um, so I kept wanting to change the results. So I, <laughs> they don't like it when you do that, do they? <laughs> no, I, I just people are saying, "Oh, what a what a wonderful legacy to have that," and I'm going, "Well, no, it was really really hard um, because I kept having to read out these results that were I wanted to edit." I still feel coming home from beating United, having watched the Champions League, you know, the feeling of winning the treble. I still can't believe it. I still think I'm going to wake up and Peter Swales is still in charge. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. But, do you know, I still remember those days, the relegation battles, sitting on the edge of your seat at Main Road, or the queues for the toilet because there was only one lady's toilet. Uh, I still really miss Main Road. You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast and join us again next time for another episode. After some intense negotiations, they got the deal done to bring in Josop got Oh my God, I can never say his name. Josko Gvardiol. Gvardiol. Gvardiola. Oh, why have you done this to me? After some intense negotiations, they got the deal done to bring in Josko Gvardiola from RB Leipzig. After some intense negotiations, they got the deal done to bring in Josko... Josko... Josko, yeah, it is. Josok? No, Josko. After some intense negotiations, they got the deal done to bring in Josko Gvardiol from RB Leipzig.